Welcome to Cracking On with Lily and Laura. Frank, honest conversations with our beautiful community about how they crack on. We are really dedicated to finding new ways of how to look after ourselves. So join us as we take a deep delve into how we can all look after our minds. Welcome to Cracking On with Lily and Laura. I'm Lily. And I'm Laura. Welcome. How you doing, Lily? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm chipper. I'm chipper. Love that word, <laughs> chipper. I'm well chipper. It's Chipper Tuesday. <laughs> chipper Tuesday at Egg Two. That's the thing. <laughs> so we had a really lovely interview today, didn't we? It was really cool, yeah. With writer and poet and activist Penny Pepper. We were kind of a bit, we were worried that we were going to be a bit fangirly. And we were a bit fangirly we bit. and too right. Yeah, yeah. She was very um, gracious about it, actually. But you said something about, like, reading her book, because I've been reading her book as well, First in the World Somewhere, her memoirs, which um, is a vital read, by the way. Yeah, and we do, we do say that in the interview, but let's just reiterate it. It's a, it's a great book, and we, we need to read it. And, I've yeah, I've, I've just read the first chapter, and as a writer myself, it's really nice to read something that makes you want to write. It really made yeah. me just want to sit down and write. And that's such a lovely feeling. One of the really lovely things about her book and one of the things that we talk about is her is the importance of friendships to her. Yeah. yeah. And I've got a fact about friendships, actually. Do you? Yeah. So apparently friendships are very, very good for your health. Because it says here in this study that no matter if you're female or male, having friends is a good thing because people with a wide network of friends have less tension, suffer from less stress, have stronger defences and live longer. Friends encourage good habits, chase away depression, help you overcome diseases and cause satisfaction, pleasure and happiness. Nice. Yeah. So even when your mate makes you a really bad cup of tea, just know... They're actually really trying to help you, and they're helping your health. Are you talking about me, then, with cups of tea? Um, No, 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 not at all. I make good cups of tea, <laughs> and I'm making you live longer. <laughs> so remember that, guys. So, yeah, shall we um, Yeah, shall we crack on and uh, show I the listeners our, our interview with Penny? Oh, by the way, um, lovely listeners, we would really love to hear from you, and we'd love to hear from you about your friendships and what you think. So you can write in to laura at eggtooth.org.uk. Or lily at eggtooth.org.uk. And then without further ado, we would like to introduce local legend, writer, poet, activist, Penny Pepper. <laughs> Woo! Thank yes. you so much for being here today. We are, we're, we've been a bit excited I'm not going to lie. I've been really excited. Yeah, we've been a bit, yeah, we're a bit fangirly. Um, <laughs> not a bit fangirly. I'm totally fangirly. She, okay, she's actually admitting it properly <laughs> now. Um, but also, we feel extra sort of privileged because you're you're not long off the Radio 4. This is true. Yes. Tell us about um, how that was. Radio 4, Saturday Live, it was pretty amazing. The whole process is weird in that you, I had to get up at 8, that's quite something for me on a Saturday. Mm. Thankfully, it's only audio. So I was, I was still in me, me nighty and me <laughs> leopard print poncho. 
Because they start yakking to you about half an hour before in your ear. It's on Skype. You have a little chat with everyone before you go on. That's quite nice. And they, they've, they've absolutely talked to me, the producer, for hours and hours and hours beforehand. So there's a sort of set remit. And I think it was a very good experience. I absolutely loved it. The funniest thing, it's funny what people pick up on, is I talked about my naked Barbie in the garden. You did. <laughs> yes. Because uh, Did you hear it? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so one of the, the other guests, Stephen Morris of Joy Division and New Order, he has a tank in his garden. Mm. So they prep, they prep you that yeah. I knew that they would be asking me what I have in my garden. <laughs> And so I said, well, the un most unusual thing is Barbie in a cage. Yeah. Um, although someone, I, I shared some photos of that on Twitter and stuff, and someone said to me, oh, and my newsletter, which I must ask if I can add you to my newsletter, add egg to, to my course. newsletter. Of course, absolutely. Because you're likely to get a mention anyway, because it's part of what I've been up to, you know. But yeah. I, put, I put this picture yesterday just to thank you for listening, and here's Barbie. And on Twitter, it went it went crazy. Did it? Oh, my God, people I need to see this. I saw it on Facebook, but I didn't see it on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah, but people were saying things like, someone wrote back to me privately and said, I thought she'd be in a sort of barbed wire, you know, prison. <laughs> and it's actually like an old tea tree holder from ikea actually <laughs> of course other, it is. i'm sure other candle holders are available <laughs> um, which they say all the time on the beach it's so funny they do, they do. I, I think um it was lovely talking to everyone i i i had one slight disappointment which which kind of led on and on and i'm just hoping people googled me because they didn't mention my books oh mm. no mm. And I've tried, we've, I've emailed her and she said, oh, can you put it on the link or whatever? Mm. But they don't put anyone, they, they have like a, a non kind of blurbing like a, policy. Right. So it's not like it's just me on the link, but it's just yeah. their, their work did get mentioned. Stephen's mm. memoirs got mentioned. Yeah. Um, it was like somehow there was a bit of a gap in that research. I didn't fully grasp that they hadn't grasped mm. yeah. i've got a book out mm. so that was a little weird because at the end the reverend richard coles is saying oh good luck with your novel and we hope you're going to write about stories about your life and, and i was literally saying oh I my god i've got a memoir richard but they cut me off on the mic by then you know? yeah so Tooth listeners i do have a memoir well and speaking of which here it is First in the World Somewhere by Penny Pepper. The True Adventures of a Scribbler, Siren, Saucepot and Pioneer. And you do know it's sold by the lovely Lee at Printed Matter, Hastings. Mm -hmm. And also by the lovely Roberts in The Bookkeeper in King's Road in St Leonard's. Right, so we in need fact, to... I'm in fact, I'm in the local authors section there. And I know Printed Matter tweeted the poetry book and, and had it up on Instagram, which was lovely. And I think I've signed a few for Printed Matter. No, I did. Yeah. I signed. I signed a few for both of them because this is, this is the uh, you know weird 
scenario that happens is it's as far as I know, it's not in Waterstones at the moment. Okay, but it it might be. Is that well? It is. Plan, I'm afraid it's demand. Right. And um, obviously, I'd like to support local bookshops first. Mm, totally. Yeah. But even yeah. even if someone bought ten from either of them mm. and they ordered them in, it still has the same effect. Yeah. Um, of pushing, you know, up my my um, profile, and that's been a, a learning curve. Having you know done that book in particular, mm. it's it's been a an interesting journey. I was because um, Lily's reading it now as well and I I read it and uh, I think I wanted to talk to you about it actually <laughs> if that's okay if you're happy yeah, to talk about your memoir because I think I think I was trying to articulate it probably quite badly but I feel like if somebody was to say what the book is about I think there's so many dimensions to it and there's kind of a richness and a potency that really was left with me and it's and it's also funny and it's moving and it's got some cracking kind of 80s music references and it's punk at heart and it's like an ode to friendship there's so many kind of elements and it's you know an insight into a disabled person's life and you know if you're not a disabled person or you don't have experience of living with a disabled person you know understanding the everyday nature of that and the barriers that are there I think you know I I feel like and I don't want to kind of use this necessarily is to gush too much and just all about pushing your book but genuinely I think it's a bit of a vital read it had really quite a strong impact on me yeah I think as a young person I think I'm still in that category I think you are I think think it's officially 25 you stop being yeah Yeah, so so. (laughs) officially as a young person kind of been reading for a couple of years I'm 22 just for the listeners as well um yeah I've kind of been reading properly for a couple of years where I've done it, you know, most of the time. Yeah, but it's every day. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's really, I, you know, especially with social media and everything, we've all got really short attention spans and it's really hard to get a book that grabs your attention. But mm. I'm in the first chapter and I know I'm just going to devour it. Yeah. I really yeah. am. So yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, so. I, I, to- I know I am. And I, I was sort of itching to meet, read more this morning. Yeah. yeah, so I just, I would really want, you know our young listeners to to just be like oh this you know get it get the book and read it because you're going to really like it because the style of writing is is Mm. really accessible i do hope as well that it it's part of what you said laura that it has a lot of aspects to it Mm. has made it fit into lots of shelves if you like Mm. although one of the frustrations was being sort of typecast and i think of I don't know if I've told you this, that in the early days it was, because it come out three years ago, I think, yeah, uh, yeah, just over three years ago, was it was put in sociology shelves. Really? Yeah. A few people found them and they would send photos to me and go, well, are we reporting this to the librarian or, what? you know, the the bookshop? We're, I mean, if nothing else, it should be in biography. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe... I don't know, punk biography mm, or yeah, 80s yeah. biography. Yeah. I don't, I'm hoping they don't have women's biography, but at least that, mm. that would be better. Even yeah. that would be better than sociology. And, it, yeah. and and you've probably seen, Laura, there's not really a big, I'm not talking about the issues, but we're talking about living as a disabled person. And there is mm. a difference. Mm. 
and I really wanted to make sure that that was very sort of embedded. I didn't want to shy away from the barriers, but it wasn't like that thing where I was just constantly waking up thinking, oh, my God, I'm disabled, because there is a stereotype about that, that that's all you think about. It was the least I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. I might be like, I, I remember the issue with transport was a real biggie, but that, so that's about the barrier to transport rather than mm. me being shocked and horrified that I wake up and I'm a wheelchair user. Um, yeah. And it still goes on. Mm. But yeah. I do have different responses from different people. And I know that, you know, the actual journey of doing it was interesting because it didn't really get reviewed. I don't want to sound like I'm moaning. Oh, no, Let's hang on a sec. Alexa. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, she did. She did. You she told did. her, mate. I did, yeah. <laughs> um, don't know how to turn her off, like, remotely yet. Hopefully she's going to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, where was yeah, I? I had, a, I had a question, actually, about yep. your writing from the angle of, because I noticed when reading the book that there was there were kind of multiple occasions in your life where it was hard for you to say certain things that you felt that you kind of couldn't quite express yourself and and that seemed like quite a sort of a theme throughout you know where you had to sort of feel like you're, you're either protecting the other person or you're protecting yourself from your own feelings etc I really kind of noticed that and that resonated for me and then so I was thinking about you then as a writer and as a performance poet and as a an activist whether that has you know helped become your your kind of road of expression if that makes sense what writing yeah oh definitely i realized very young maybe one day i'll do a memoir of before that time which would be interesting to do i realized when i was very young and i have a poem about this called bookworm that there were no books that reflected my ongoing experience and I probably couldn't have articulated it like that, but I knew that everything I looked at or read in the early waves of feminism, I knew there was no disabled women. And the only time we ever got mentioned was as the cared for. So we had no separate identity, and I realised that very early on, and I knew that I had to do something about it. I'm, as, I, as is in the memoir a bit, I'm, I'm famous or infamous for my journals, which... Sadly, I don't do as much now, although I realised the other day that I did do one on the first day of my own lockdown, or something like the 3rd of March, I did do an entry, and a few over the summer, but back in the day I would do a, a pages of journal every day, and it was one of the things I started with Tamsin from the book, mm. you know, that. so they all, they all kind of overlap. Writing became a way of searching for a world that included me and other disabled people but also just that broader context of other stories mm. like you know we even have that now as women women still are below we're not equal in the publishing world by any means no even though women are often cited as the biggest readers so that's interesting. That's that, um, so interesting. <laughs> but it's, it doesn't yeah. even mean that you, you should expect one type of woman writer because mm. there mm. isn't. There won't be. 
Why mm. would there be? Mm. But it's just that equality equation. You need to have the equality of participation. I also feel that it's only in recent years that you are starting to see that boys club open. And yeah. I've been writing for 30 years semi-professionally. Mm. Even now, I am a prof- professional writer, as it were. Like I earn a, a living by it, but I don't earn a living directly from writing, mm. even now. It's from the sort of secondary issues, mm. like doing performance and getting a grant. And, you know, so I would say that to any young writers, by all means, try try to be the next create the next harry potter but don't expect it mm. you mentioned tamsin mm. of course who features in your memoir yeah. and i was really struck by the depth of love that you have for friendships it's almost like the book yeah. to me was almost like an ode to friendship yeah and what that means yeah is f- and so friendship for you what what does that mean to you you know both through your life and and now I feel like friendships are my family and I love my mum and I love my siblings. But friends have had much more of a role in my life once I left for the grimy streets of (laughs) London, which Lily will catch up with that soon once I get to (laughs) the exciting realm of um, East London. I've always been, and partly because of aspects of my mental health is that I've always been very deep feeling. Mm. So when I find someone who cares for me almost unconditionally, this, the friendships are strong. Mm. And and I would say, which I didn't go into it in detail because it's like a separate book about my mental health journey, but Tamsin certainly saved my life. I really believe that. It's an interesting thought hitting me right now that she did definitely... Because when I first knew her, the year before I met her, I was suicidal. Mm. And I'd been on medication. I was on, oh, these... I can't remember what they're called now. I don't even know if they're little blue tablets that would calm you down. Like tamazepam or or something. Something like like that. that. Mm. Yeah, within sort of an hour, you would be, like, zombified. Mm. And um, Tamsin was just totally relaxed about all that and like, no, you don't need them. We're going to write a book together. (laughs) And slowly but surely, Mm. that gave me hope. And I think that's the biggest thing thing that friendship's done for me. It's given me hope. It's given me more self-value. And I still, you know, I still work on that now. I'm I'm still on medication. It's not a secret i'm not in the closet i'm on medication for my mental health and i have uh, counseling every fortnight um and i i suspect that i always need that as my own little safety net yeah yeah but friends have been crucially important mm. I, I i think they've allowed me to grow they've allowed me to understand myself more and you know my very bestie friends have always unfailingly been there for me it is it is completely vital for all of us I think and when you said unconditional love that really resonated with me there's something about 
platonic friendships that go far beyond any sort of relationship you have and I really want to shout about it more I feel we don't I'm two husbands down so they've gone (laughs) (laughs) I've got friends in my circle that I've known since I was 11 and I've got another friend who I knew from the early 80s Tanya she's in the book yeah she's mm. she's a Hastings person yeah. is she and she she blames me for her love <laughs> of Hastings but, so I've known her for like 35 years a lot of these things have, have had a long life and I do think that the other thing with it of course is if you've got a good core of those friends then the other friends who maybe aren't as reliable or as good for you, you've got a balance. Or they may they may be troubled in their own right. And I've had a lot of friends like that who I don't want to let go or I feel I'm a bit of a rescuer one week and then it's my turn, I need rescuing. But mm-hmm. some of those friendships can be damaging. But if you've got a balance of that really long-term hardcore they will look out for you on that Mm. totally and it it is that it's that solidness of it exactly i i feel i've i've got a friend called ruby and i i have these moments in life like we all do where we feel a bit out of control and a bit lost and confused and then every time i speak to her on the phone she lives in manchester um oh yeah yeah every time we speak on the phone i just it brings me back down and and it brings me grounded again and we relate and there's something so special about that about just keep helping you keep your sanity yeah Yeah. and I think that in the book is yeah one of the well one of the many aspects of it but there's a real heart and it really hit my heart about that real true love for your friends yeah one of my best friend bestie friends now and we're not able to see each other is Liz Carr who is an actor and yeah. a comedian and an international disability activist. If anyone watches Silent Witness on the BBC, they will know who she is. Mm-hmm. But she's she's a little bit younger than me, but she's got a really wise head. You know, we are trying to stay in touch. Normally when I go up to London, which I have to do for health stuff, we would because she lives near King's Cross, so we would just get together and have a mad day out and it would be lovely and we still do that and we will do that again and if i can just do a quick shameless god i've forgotten the word shout out shout out a shameless shout out out. on my my youtube channel which has been beautifully sort of sorted out tidied by the very wonderful anastasia who was my like the the producer of my penny on the telly also another local person she's made a um she's highlighted as a single thing the bit i did with liz reading my uh, monologue so and you know liz was so lovely doing that and so supportive and again always wanting to help me with my work it made me cry the first time she did it and we did a read through when i saw it actually i must admit i was yeah it's very moving yeah, I need to watch that. Yeah, we all need to watch because you didn't because you were part of the you were there at the production. I was you, at but the you production, couldn't see but the, I couldn't see the, the video aspects of it. So yeah, when we chatted before, Penny, you talked about um, solitude, and that actually yeah. that's quite a rare luxury for you, and something that well, people talk about loneliness, solitude, etc. Regarding a lockdown kind of aspect for you, that's something that 
you don't get a lot of? No, not really, because I have a personal assistant who supports me to live independently. Important point for me, just to respect, I never call them carers. Mm-hmm. I've got great respect for carers, but they're not carers. It's a very specific role to be a PA. But also, even part of that role is to respect that in order to keep me safe and well and supported living an independent life, I have no time on my own ever. Maybe the odd 10 minutes if I'm lucky. So you get good at how you build that, how you get a sense of that, even if it's not literal. In the summer, what am I saying? Not only in the summer when we don't have lockdown, Mm. um, I would sit in my garden, which is literally along the side of my uh, flat, just uh, look at my birds feeding. Uh, My cat might be there looking at the birds. (laughs) She doesn't catch them. Staring intently at the birds. Mm -hmm. But just to be relaxed in that moment is so precious to me. I actually have in my bedroom a little kind of mixed, like a shrine, where I can light a candle, I might pick out a card. I have all sorts of, like, mandala cards. They're really great. So it gives you a little, like a little zen statement for Mm. the day. And, like, yesterday, was it? I got spring or rebirth, which was very nice, you know, saying if you've got projects going and this is... And it may be in the springtime, but just something that can help you focus. Mm. So it is quite hard to navigate that space sometimes because not only may I need help to do some of that, but PAs have their role and some of them might just, you know, I have to sort of train them up a bit not to put the kettle on or start bashing in the kitchen because mm-hmm. I've like really open plan look I know you can see my <laughs> shopping list it's on my fridge <laughs> um, and um, sometimes it's like no 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 just stop mm. just stop just go and sit in your room and leave me yeah. Um, and you know, I have an office in town. I share an office with the very wonderful um, Teresa Hodge, who is an absolute powerhouse, my rock, my angel. <laughs> who again, friendship. Mm. I, I I miss hugging Teresa. We always we have our girly hugs, and I miss mm. it so much. But I share Teresa's space, and that means that I can have a little bit of solitude there if I wish. Because, again, although my PAs can't go far, at least I can send them out, you know, 20 minutes to go and get me a coffee. Mm. And it's, I'm sure a lot of people will recognise it. It's not even about the literal space of that person being absent. It's something deeper yeah Mm. it's something much deeper now i would say i I felt lonely from you know i'm quite it even relates back to the book that i don't i didn't really do anything in my teenage years because i was stuck at home with my mom we had a fairly troubled family life and i never went out that's what that's one thing i would love to write about actually is how the and I've referred to it in the book, Laura, you might remember, the 1,000 days of incarceration, yeah. <laughs> something like that. And 
I think a lot of disabled people experience that. That's what Sadly. I was, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. People talk of lockdown, 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 but this isn't necessarily your first lockdown. No, it isn't for mm. many reasons, mm. but also for other disabled people, including uh, those with mental health issues, mm. which may be because you don't get the support to go out. Whether that's because you're not getting the support, you know, I've got a friend who's got social sort of phobias and she doesn't really get enough support. I mean, now it's bloody irrelevant, isn't it? But she's never really had enough support to manage it. So she just ends up not going out. And, of course, part of her really wants to. And part of us too anxious to do it. She's not a wheelchair user or anything, but it's another form of barrier. Funnily enough, I'm hoping I don't I don't kind of know where or when yet. I'm 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 doing some work on it. I'm going to do I'm writing a short script called called Friends Within the Ruins. So hopefully, the, if the podcast has amazing reach, you never know who might be listening. I was going to so ask. True. I was going to ask actually because you've said I think at least three times. I think I could write another book about that. So there are still oh, wow. you've still got lots of books in you. Tell us a little bit about what you are kind of working on and working towards at the moment. Well, I've been working on a few scripts at the moment because mm. a lot of opportunities come up to submit. You're a disabled writer, so I did that. Um, and one of them's called Friends Within the Ruins. It's a 15-minute piece about how, for some people, COVID can be, has been, a learning curve. Even for me, it's been a bit of a, a positive learning curve because it's forced me to, you know, be a bit brave to take on I mean I'm quite a techie person but I mean emotionally to work you know more even a little bit more on my anxiety issues with making phone calls I've always had it it's even a bit in our family no one likes making phone calls well there's got to be an anxiety history there mm. but being on zoom suddenly that seems easier for me to manage mentally and physically so it opens up new possibilities mm. and my piece of um, friends friends within ruins is about someone who's disabled who suddenly becomes energized by this by the zoom meetings and joins <laughs> every committee becomes a volunteer then when the lockdown eases she starts to feel sad. I wanted to explore that. Mm. And uh, I've, I, I know I've got this iconic scene where she's up near the castle ruins. And uh, I think that, that I, I'm not going to tell you what happens. Actually. <laughs> yeah, don't tell us. <laughs> it's a surprise. No, no spoilers. But it ends there. Up and, and the other thing... Come on, publishers. Yeah, my yeah. novel. Yeah. My novel. I'm allowed Listen to say up. the the provisional title mm -hmm. is Nancy Jones and the Show of Wonders. She is with about eight publishers through right. my agent, lovely Abby. Lockdown's had an effect because every time she's checked, they haven't managed to read it yet. I'm very lucky to have, all the years I've worked and now I've got an agent, 
um, which was only about a year ago. But, you know, I've got there and I'm, I'm mm. love working with Abby. So that's it. It's a nail-biting yeah. weight. Yeah. Um, I'm very, very, very excited for people to read um, my Nancy book. There's nothing like it. (laughs) Tell us the title again, Penny. Nancy Jones and the Show of Wonders. Nancy Jones and the Show of Wonders. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to read it. (laughs) I'm excited. I wanted to ask you as well, with lockdown, art galleries are closed... There's no live music. There's no poetry that you can go and see. You can't go to pubs. Like you, our social interactions are have been limited, to say the least. And I would just like to know how, with all of that going on, how are you still getting your creative fuel? I suppose I. I mean, I read a lot in bits and pieces. I've got a Kindle. Mm. Um, I also feel quite privileged. I'm in I'm in a sort of circle with lots of creative people, whether it's Liz or local writers, and um, and a lot of my friends are also creative. But the the other aspect of that is I am a movie fanatic, so I just suck everything dry on Netflix and iPlayer and. And, yeah. and do a lot of that. But I also try and get, tune in occasionally to live events, whether they're old things just being replayed. I do, obviously, I absolutely miss the music scene in Hastings. I went to that, that little precious moment in the summer when the pier was open. I went to quite a few of them. Mm. Um, I know that's coming back when it's allowed. Yeah which is great news. So I just I just listen. We do have great networks in Hastings if yeah. you sort of tune into them and find them. And so I just listen out to what's yeah. happening. Yeah, what is really great about what you're saying, I think, is it highlights like the, the adapting that we're all having to do. You're having to adapt to your surroundings. You can't go and see things live or go to art galleries or, or you know, taking creativity in that way. So we've almost got a, carve out the time in our lives to actually just appreciate all of the stuff that is going online and use it yeah i mean i Mm. i do feel there's an element and i've seen a few people write about this that oh god not another not another zoom meeting or another Mm. this or another that but i think that's just our learning curve yeah yeah totally and actually if I'm honest, like I, I, I can't really give you a percentage, but it's high. <laughs> I'll say 50% because I feel like it. Um, <laughs> of, And I don't think it's a big lie, of the music venues in Hastings and St. Leonard's aren't accessible. Mm. Yeah, so I was going to ask about that. Mm. many people in the community don't go. They yeah. can't go. Yeah. One thing I'm really sad about, because for an old punk, most people don't guess this, I'm really into folk. And that's going to be my chosen piece, by the way, as a folk piece. But um, there used to be a, a very casual folk club on the seafront in Mungo's, which isn't, was it Mungo's or Mango's? Mungo's, I think. It's not yeah, there Yeah, mm. that's closed down. But they had an accessible loo and 
me and Teresa advised them on having bits and pieces in there, and they were lovely. They were really lovely. But I think that there is a place, there is a space and a place for more of that. I think some of it is really just gently talking to people and saying, well, actually, you could be accessible mm. with this tweak. Yeah. But, you know, the big folk club is the stag. <laughs> yeah. 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 Never in a million years mm. is that going to be accessible, and mm. it's just how it is. Mm. It's not, you know, we. Th- they even thought that you could be, they might be able to have some sort of access at the back, but I gather that even when you get in, everything's on different levels. That's not going to help wheelchair users, but also people with walking impairments. Mm. That won't, you know, that's just going to be a nightmare. But it's it's sad, but it's a fact. We're hoping to work with you and Teresa perhaps a bit further along the line because Eggtooth will be taking on the Old Town Hall, which we're really happy about. It is accessible. It has an accessible yeah. loo. It has a lift. When so I, When I first came to... Hastings, which is now about 11 years ago. Well, that was one of the first places I went to when it was the Old Town Museum. Mm. And I went in the lift and the loo and it was fabulous. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really happy. Yeah, we're happy too. <laughs> yeah, we are happy. But you're there and I can't wait to see it all open and lovely. Yeah, we'll get some folk, well, folk nights on. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, be, be like, not the same night as the stag, but, you know. <laughs> it was an old town clash. No, we won't do that. We're going to be no, no, no. very adaptable. <laughs> so I do think there's a lot of people that want something a bit mm. more casual without all yep. that great weight of history. I mean, I'd love to go to the stag. I'm sure mm. if I organised a great posse of strong individuals, they could lug me in in evacuate chair mm. which is one of those you can carry up and down stairs but mm. i don't want it to be about me i want it to be about inclusion yeah um it, it shouldn't just what we always say to people it shouldn't matter if you make a place accessible we've chatted to you as individuals but i never go shouldn't mm. that doesn't matter it's not about resolving it for me mm. it's about resolving it for the community yeah and it's often in Hastings, there are a lot of places wheelchair users will not be able to go. But there are there's a significant number where they could go with very slight changes. And I'm going to do a, a shout out now for someone, a shop in Kings Road, in St. Leonard's. It's the amazing, magnificent wonder feel. Yeah. Been. Haven't been, but I've heard rather good things very good things oh i love it hannah in there is wonderful and do you know within a few i did take photos and then physically couldn't get around to posting them within week opening i went there and took my own little portable ramp and they were like oh we'll get one 36 quid 35 quid they got a ramp Mm. i can use it any time when there's not a lockdown (laughs) (laughs) and then i go it's the way it should be yeah yeah, and it was an easy, it was a thing that was easy to resolve and we're trying to do that at a later time. We'll do that with, um, you know, I'd like to do it with all the bookshops where that is available and the space is available. But also, like, some of the access barriers are very easy to resolve. Mm. Getting things in larger print. Yeah. Asking mm. about alternatives, you know, um, of how that can be 
given to you. But what you're really doing is how can you remove your barrier? That's always the way to put it, in my view. And we need to keep saying that. Yeah. 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 Keep thinking about it. Keep doing it. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Your um, poem that we asked if you would be so kind to share, how did you feel about that? Are you happy to give us one of your poems? I am, yeah. I might read my sonnet. Ooh, mm. sonnet. Yeah. What's the title of that book Let's you've got there, Penny? This book, please, uh, by the Magnificent Burning Eye, Come Home Alive. Such a good cover. Come Home Alive. I know, that is me on the oh, head Penny of um, the Botticelli Venus put <laughs> into a steampunk wheelchair. There we go. That's that is a yeah. good image. Yes. Yeah. So, this is called... Um, Sonnet for Blues and Rain. I heard the blues seduce the rain tonight while owls sang songs to say that spring won't come as they lurk in trees and whisper far from sight. The blank sky shrugs down darkness. There among the leaves I hid my heart and head and tears. Drenched in the song the blues man gave to me. Longing in my blood, made sweeter with years. Dark branches sway, they're full of melodies. It's not lost love that aches inside my soul. It's his true words that cry across the rain. He sings the howling blues, he's in control. Heals all my scars tonight, laps up my pain. So I will live for hidden owls, trees and hope. And the blues man's electric kaleidoscope. Yes! <laughs> Thank you, Penny. Thank you. Oh, I like that. Gorgeous. Thank you very much. Gorgeous. And uh, finally, I guess, just as we end, we asked you, which after reading your book, I realise now, actually, asking you to select a song is not, it's not easy because your life is you know, underpinned throughout the memoir by music, which I loved. So asking you to select one song, did you manage to do that? I did, and and this will relate more to um, uh, one of my many sides, because I have, as you know from reading the memoir, that I made an album, Mm -hmm. and part of my love and influences is folk. So I'm going to choose a folk piece by modern folk artist called Sam Lee, and I, it's called On Yonder Hill. Now, there are two versions of this, and one okay. of them is very slow and poignant, and that's the one I want. This, in a way, sums up a lot about me, um, and even on the back of my book, it says, Penny's work has been described as euphoric, melancholic, and I think that's mm. got this, 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 this song. Um, it's got a melancholy about it, but it is also about, um, and I'm a big, absolute um, animal lover and activist. It's about the hare escaping from the hunt. And I think there's a big metaphor there. Mm. It's the, the little person escaping from you know the the oppressors uh, however but it's just beautifully arranged as well it's quite hard to sing i've tried 
it's reflective, it's poignant, uh, but the hair wins the day, and I really like that too. I'm very much in favour of the underdog, and you know, I'm a bit of a, a class warrior. So, yeah, and I didn't, I've chose so much punk. Everyone um, knows that I love punk, so I wanted something a bit more reflective. Beautiful. So, we're going to play out to that. And whilst we do, we want to thank you so, so much, Penny, for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and a delight. Unfortunately, because of copyright, we can't play this tune now. But do check it out. It's a good one. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe. And whichever platform you're listening on, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do leave us a rating and a review. And again, thank you so much for listening. At Eggtooth, we believe we all deserve to be radically well. So tune in next time to hear more about how our community is cracking on. See you soon.